You make room in our hearts, Lord, for whatever you want to do in us today. Draw us to you, Lord. Make us have a step closer to you than we can. We 
Good morning. Good morning. My name is Jim Moyer. I'm one of the pastors here at KMCC. And this morning we're going to celebrate communion as part of our gathering worship time. So ushers, would you come forward now? So I hope you've been able to pick up the elements of communion. And if not, there's two tables up here that you can come up and grab those. Or um, if you'd like, you can get the attention of the ushers and just uh, you know raise your hand or something and they can give you the elements right there at your seat. So communion about to do uh, is a tradition. As a tradition, the church began with Jesus during the Passover meal uh, about 2,000 years ago. We often use the term, we often talk about celebrating communion or celebrating the Lord's Supper. So have you thought about why we would call it a celebration? This activity is a celebration. We talk about it being a remembrance, and it is, but it's also a celebration. You know, that night when he was talking to his uh, disciples, he, he talked about um, giving his body and shedding his blood, about his death, and we're to remember that. We know that his death was payment for forgiveness of our sins, for restoration of our relationship, our broken relationship with God. And yet in that, sometimes I forget, I don't make the leap that it's more than just about his death. It's about also our relationship with God, about celebrating new life in Christ, about our time and the things that he has for us now that we're his children. So as a reminder to me, maybe as to you, this is more than just the remembrance. It is a celebration all the days ahead that God has for us and eternity. So let's remember that. So I'm gonna encourage you to take some time during this next song to uh, think on this truth, to meditate on the fact that we will spend eternity in the presence of God. Yes. So this song that's uh, gonna be played, it's new for us, uh, Hymn of Heaven. It's a powerful song of worship. Let me encourage you to uh, embrace the truth. The lyrics is your story as your truth. Celebrate as you sing. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your plan to bring us into your family. Thank you for your promise. allowing us to spend eternity with you. And Father, we worship as we sing, worthy is the lamb who was slain. Holy, holy are you, Lord.
So Jesus, during that Passover meal, started a tradition that we're going to do right now. So on that night that he was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it after giving thanks. And he said, this is my body for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Eat of it, all of you. And in the same manner, he took a cup of wine and said, this is my blood of a new covenant. Do this in remembrance of me. Drink of it, all of you. Church, this is our celebration, declaring worthy is the lamb who was slain. Forever he shall reign. Amen. Worship with me as we sing and we thank our God. There's no better way that I can think of than to be with you guys, my brothers and sisters in Christ, with the breath that he gave us this morning, that we can continue to sing with him. So let's keep celebrating. This is a party. So please join me this morning.
If you don't know me, I am Zach Lawler. I am one of the teaching pastors here at Camriel Community Church. And I just want to say what a blessing it is to bring the good news of Jesus Christ. And I want to ask everybody in this room, how good is Jesus in your life right now? Yeah, how good is God? How good is God? God is always good. I'll tell you right now, I am so thankful to the Lord. He has earned my praise because he kept my limbs and my life safe this last weekend. Let me explain this last weekend was my 14-year marriage anniversary. Yeah, I was expecting more. You guys gave Dave more credit for his. That's cool. Um, But I want to tell you, the only person you should be clapping for is my wife. She's made a lot of sacrifices. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Um, She was expecting Prince Charming, and God gave her like a pasty Shrek. I don't know what was going on. Um, But nevertheless, she's made some sacrifices. I'm extremely thankful. So it was our 14-year anniversary, and our neighbors, our very young and active neighbors, asked us to go mountain biking with them in Mammoth. Okay, yeah, you guys are like, what? And, and we agreed to go for one reason. They don't go to church, they don't know God, and you know we'd be trying to evangelize, right? Like, that's what we're about. So we agreed to go on this trip, and we get there, and Brandon's like, okay, we're going to start with some easy stuff, okay? And we're going to work our way up to the hard stuff. And we're doing the easy stuff, and it's the hardest mountain biking I've ever done in my life, okay? And I'm terrified from the very beginning bunny run, all right? And we're doing a good job, though. And I got to be honest, Shannon really surprised me, okay? Shannon's flying around Ben. She's getting air on a mountain bike, you guys, okay? Just picture a housewife in the air looking like Tony Hawk pro skater, okay? It was ridiculous. And we impressed our neighbors, and they were like, we're going to go to the top of the mountain. We're going to ride down. You guys should know the top of the mountain is over 11,000 feet, And we get to the top of this mountain, and he goes, don't worry, we'll take the intermediate trail. We're coming down the backside. It won't be so difficult. And we're coming down this trail, and my family is having the time of their life. And i got to be honest, I am completely terrified, okay? I'm not terrified for me. I'm so very scared for the people that I love. Does that make sense? So I decide I'm going to follow them as closely as I possibly can. If any emergency breaks out, I'm going to jump in and save them. But the problem is, they're all doing better than me, and I can't keep up with them. I'm the old guy, okay? And we're coming down this mountain, and Brandon goes, all right, we're going to take a turn down this trail, and it has one simple marker. It's a big white square with a black diamond in the middle. He's like, I think you guys can do this. You're fine. And we come down that trail, and it becomes evident to me we should not be there. And the whole time I'm thinking, is there like a unicorn princess trail we can take somewhere? Because that's what I would like to be on right now for my family's safety. But we're going down this trail, and we're doing so well that he decides we're going to take another turn. The next turn is a simple marker of a, a white square with two black diamonds. And I don't know if you guys have ever been on this. It's called a double black diamond run. And when I read the brochure for mountain biking later that day, it said this, elevated risk of injury or death from falling. Highly skilled riders only. I'm not even a kind of skilled rider, right? And my wife, she is none of those things, okay? So I just had this moment where I realized I'm looking at my wife coming down this mountain, and I just had this very vivid reaction. Like, if anything happens to my wife, I don't know what I'm going to do. Like, she's my treasure. Like, she's the greatest gift God ever gave me. If anything happens, I don't know what I'm going to do. So we're coming down this trail, and I hear Brandon go, Brandon, go, stay left. If you go right, the jumps have gaps. And I'm riding like, stay left! Stay left, you know? I'm like, just stay to the left for the love of God, you know? And um, they stay left, but Sean gets to the top of this 12-foot wooden ramp, and he stops. And Shannon gets behind him to save him, and she stops. And I hear Brandon behind me. Brandon goes, this is bad. This is very bad. And I'm like, 
yes, this is your fault. So I race up behind them and I slam on my brakes and my idea is this, I'm going to wrap them in a cocoon of dad bod, okay? And if we come down this ramp, they're gonna ride me down like a dad toboggan, okay? Either way, I'm gonna suffer serious grave injuries and they are going to be okay, but luckily the ramp was flat at the top. I pushed them forward, everything's fine. The Lawlers are still alive. You don't get a new youth pastor. Ha, I made it. But you guys, I didn't realize how freaked out I was until I got down the mountain. And we get to the bottom of the mountain, and I'm like, I'm like shaking. And I, and I have this super bad headache from the elevation, and I'm dehydrated. And I realized in that moment, like, how much I treasure my family. Does that make sense? Like, it's not until they're almost in, like, really bad peril that you realize how much you treasure your family. And, and I don't know, guys, if something would have happened to one of them, like... Like, I don't even know, like, if what I would do, I'd be a mess, but this left me with this question for today, what do you treasure most? Like, church, what do we treasure most in our lives? What should we treasure most in our lives is the big question posed by our text today. What should we treasure most? And the answer we're going to see posed in the text is you should not treasure what is consumable. You should not treasure what is consumable. So let's jump into our text for the day. But first, church, will you please pray with me? Dear Lord Jesus, God, be with me as I teach. Be with me as I speak to our church. Let your words be heard, God. Let them open ears. Let hearts and eyes be opened. Illuminate our minds. Set a fire down on our soul, God, for your word, for your teaching, for your truth. In your name I pray, Jesus. Amen. All right, church. Today we're going to be in Matthew 6. 19 through 23, I'm going to start reading uh, in verse 19, if you guys read along with me. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust will destroy and where thieves will break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, what? Thank you. There your heart will be also. And this is, a, this is a, 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 a portion of the Sermon on the Mount. This is probably the most famous sermon of all times, you guys. In this sermon, we see Jesus address several things. These words are supposed to be written in red. And Jesus discusses murder, adultery, divorce, oaths, revenge, how to treat your enemies, giving to the needy, prayer, fasting. And now Jesus talks about this concept of what we treasure. He talks about this idea of treasure. And we must remember in every single aspect of this sermon, Jesus is attacking one group of people. He's going after these guys, the Sadducees, and he has a lot to say to them about them and the Pharisees. And, and when he's talking about these Pharisees, he usually refers to them as what? Hypocrites. Several times in his sermon, Jesus says, do not be like the hypocrites. Do not be like these guys. This is huge, church. Keep this in mind as we go through this passage. Now, here's the deal. The Pharisees were supposed to be the people that represented God. We get that. They're supposed to be the greatest knowledge on God, the greatest livers of God's word, and they have begun to live what is known as a prosperity-based lifestyle. The Jewish leaders have begun to believe that the closer you are to God, the more stuff he will give you. And the higher up in the ranks in the Jewish faith you are, the more stuff you should have and possess and show to the world. And this is what Jesus is going after. And he says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. However, in the original language, it's almost better translated as this. Stop storing up for yourself 
treasures on earth. I like the word stop much better because in our language, don't you think stop holds so much more power? Like, right, like, when, I, when my wife gets upset with the kids, okay, it happens all the time, okay, and she's like, she's looking at them and they're doing something wrong, she looks at me and she goes, are you going to do something to stop that? Now, I got to be honest, if it's something that they're doing that just irritates her, I'll be like, hey, boys, do not do that. You're upsetting your mom. But what if their behavior is irritating dad, I say one word, I say stop, stop it. And they get the dad is not playing around. So for that reason, I want to say this. When we read this passage, read it like this. Stop storing up treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and thieves break in and steal. And this brings us back to that first point. What should we treasure? Not what is consumable. What should we treasure? Not what is consumable. Now, what does Jesus talk about storing up? We have some clues. The first thing he says is where, where moths and rust destroy. Well, what do moths eat? They eat cotton. They eat clothing, right? And what does rust destroy? It destroys Fords, right? And you guys got that? That was for Kenny. And, and what do thieves break in and steal? Thieves break in and steal things of value, right? So jewelry, precious stones, gold, whatever it might be. That's what they break in and steal, so it seems that Jesus in general is talking about stuff, that stuff that we can inquire, stuff that brings about an appearance of wealth, and even things that we store up to have wealth in the future. And this is what the Pharisees have been living for. They've been consuming and consuming things that can be purchased, stolen, sold again, stolen over and over, things that can rust, things that be consumed by moth and lose their value. And this is the lifestyle Jesus is calling his followers not to mimic. Now, hear me, church. If there's ever been a time in history where people purchase stuff, stuff, and more stuff, I think it's right now. Would you guys agree? Like, I'm 36 years old. If you would have told me 15 years ago that people would be spending $1,500 on a cell phone because it has one more camera than the last cell phone, I would have said, you're out of your mind. People are not going to do that, but that's what we do in this culture. I've been guilty of it myself. I love gadgets. But there's something we need to understand. This idea of having a little bit more has always been an American idea. There's a guy named John D. Rockefeller. Have you guys heard of this guy? John D. Rockefeller, many argue, was the richest man in U.S. history, hands down. At one time, he owned 1% of the U.S. economy. Let me give you a perspective. He owned 90% of the U.S. oil industry. So you guys have heard of this guy, Bill Gates. He's worth $136 billion. He's got some change, right? John Rockefeller would be worth $340 billion today. And John was asked, they said, Mr. Rockefeller, how much money is enough money? His response, just a little bit more. Just, just, a, just a little bit more. And that is human nature. And I had this thought as a pastor and as a husband and as a father, when will we have enough? When will we have enough? When will enough be enough? And I think the answer is humans, we always convince ourselves that too much is just a little bit more than we have now. Too much is just a little bit more than we possess in our lives right now. And this is excessively true in teenagers. You guys, you should know I work with teenagers all day. And teenagers are funny this way. Teenagers never have enough shoes. Right? Or at least my son. They never have enough clothes. They never have enough gadgets. 
This is evident in the fact that when teenagers get $100, it is burning a hole in their pocket. They have to spend it. As a matter of fact, ask a teenage girl if she has anything to wear, and she will tell you she has nothing to wear, right? Like, that is what teenagers do, but there's something else about teenagers I've been seeing excessively in our culture is our teenagers are extremely wrapped up in the today. Our teenagers are extremely wrapped up in the right now. They live for this very moment, the the moment that is happening right now in front of their face. But here's the crazy point. I don't think it's something that just teenagers are guilty of. It's not something that just teenagers are guilty of in our culture. Now, you guys, you need to know that a message on stuff would be extremely applicable. What's the word? Applicable? That's a word, right? Okay, would be really good in a, in a, in a lower-income neighborhood because, like, where I grew up, you guys know people spend more than they make on things they don't need. That's what happens in low-income neighborhoods. Actually, in low-income neighborhoods, people spend a way higher percentage of money on clothing like Air Force Ones that their mom bought for them, right? And, and it's crazy, but right now our, our country has a combined household debt of $16.5 trillion dollars. And as a culture in America, we owe $46 billion in credit card debt right now. But I was writing this message and I realized something, you guys. I'm not preaching to people in a bad neighborhood, right? I'm preaching to people in Camarillo, California. Like, we're not the most flashy people. We buy reasonably priced cars. Most of us buy used vehicles. We have reasonable sized homes. Like, we are not spending money we don't have on things we don't need. We're just spending money on things we want. And as believers, we know that we don't treasure the things we own. We treasure who? We treasure Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen? Amen. We treasure Jesus Christ, not the things that we own. That is for sure how I feel about the people in this room. And I know many of the people in this room. I know you guys are generous, and I know you're caring, and I know you're financially sound. I, I don't think that you guys love the things that you own. Like, you guys, I'm messed up, right? But even I know that my house, my cars, my clothing, my stuff, it all pales in comparison to this guy we call Jesus Christ. I would let it all go for this guy called Jesus Christ. I mean, I can even stand here as a husband and smugly say that I let go of my dream car, my Jeep Wrangler, to buy a family car. I sold it. I'm so generous, right? So generous. But here's the truth. I forgot to mention a little thing called context in this passage. I was in a a seminary class, and my teacher said, whenever you're giving a sermon, there's three things you need to remember. Context, 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 right? And we need a little context here. You guys, um, when Jesus talks about clothing, you guys should know that back in the day in Jesus' time, clothing did not change in style. So you could buy clothes and you could hand it down to your kids and they could hand it down to their kids. And when he talks about precious metal and gold and silver being destroyed by rust, those are things that you save up for future generations. And even when he mentions rust, many old commentaries note that he'd also be referring to rats and mildew and things that would consume stored up grain in a barn, things that you were saving for those you love. And here's my point. When it comes to spending money, I have to be honest I have spent thousands and thousands of dollars on my family. Thousands of dollars on my kids. I have spent tons of money on personal athletic trainers, sports teams, travel teams, special diets, paid for gym memberships. They get brand name shoes. They get the brand name clothing. Here's the problem, you guys. I grew up in a home where we had almost nothing, right? 
So when I became a dad, I decided something. My kids are not only going to have what they need, they're going to have what they want. And that's something I took into my life as a believer as well. And I realized something, you guys. I've been so caught up in the treasure in front of me that I've forgotten about the treasure that is eternal. I've been so caught up in the treasure that God gave me that I've taken my eyes off of the treasure that is supposed to be eternal. Now, I want to come back to this idea. What brings us uh, back to this point? What should we treasure? Not what is consumable. Now, you guys, you guys, if you went to college, you know that the word consumable, Zach might be misusing this word because you guys know a consumable is something that is intended to be used up and then replaced, right? Like toilet paper. Unless it's COVID time, then that stuff is gold, right? But you guys know that a consumable is something that's meant to be used up and then restored. You might be like, Zach, I know you're from Reno. I'm going to give you a break on this one, okay? But you don't seem to understand the definition of a consumable because the things you mentioned, like homes and gold and silver and investments and things we save for a family, those are non-consumables. I want you guys to hold on to that idea until the end of the sermon, okay? Zach might be wrong, but just hold on to that thought. Let's go into our second point. What should you treasure? And the answer is, what is non-consumable. What should you treasure? What is non-consumable? Let's go back to the text really quick. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. I want to read that verse again. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? And this idea of treasure in heaven or reward in heaven goes back to Jewish literature. In Jewish literature, people would know that they were storing up righteous deeds for some sort of reward in heaven. And the Pharisees knew this, but they lost sight of the idea of storing things up for eternity in order to receive things for the here and now. And in our Christian context, you guys might be like, what are these things that we would like do to store up things in heaven to receive reward. It would be things like sharing the gospel and giving to people in need, giving to the mission of Christ, caring for the widows and the orphans, giving to your church, and loving those who are unlovable. And then Jesus goes into this seemingly weird conversation about the good and the bad eye. And this can be be kind of confusing for some, but let me make it really simple, you guys. If you have a diseased eye, like have you ever seen somebody with cataracts, like really bad cataracts, right? An eye that is diseased will have a really hard time receiving light. It'll have a really time, hard time distinguishing between light and darkness altogether. As a matter of fact, the light that is really diseased will receive no light at all. You'll be completely blind. And here's what's going on. Jesus is looking at the Pharisees and calling them blind again. He's saying that your eyes are too diseased to see that what you're living for is evil. And I want to make this point before we move on. Like, wealth is not evil. But loving wealth is evil. You guys see the distinction there. This is why Jesus points out for where your treasure is, your heart will be found. Also, it wasn't that the Pharisees had diseased eyes. It was that their hearts were diseased. And their hearts had blinded them to what they were living out. And, and I have to be honest, I've done this as a Christian man. I've convinced myself that all the money I save and store up and spend on my family is not selfish because I'm not spending it on me. Does that make sense? Like, guys, like, I will wear hand-me-down clothing. 
okay? I, I drive a Nissan Sentra now. I'm super ashamed of that, okay? Like, I don't go on extravagant trips for myself. Even my anniversary, I took my kids. There's something wrong with us, right? Okay? I, I don't spend money on me. Therefore, I say that I'm living in a non-selfish manner, but I realize something. I have been blindly spending money on my family as if eternity is not going to be coming at the end of the road. I'm treating my family like this is the best life they're ever going to live. And therefore, I have to provide the best life they're ever going to live now. I've realized something. Maybe in Camarillo, we don't live for those things that we can purchase. We don't treasure our wealth. We don't treasure our possessions. But maybe we treasure giving our life, giving a life to our family that we think they deserve. Maybe we treasure most providing a life for our family that we think that they deserve. And you guys, you know, when I was younger, it was much easier to be idealistic about wealth. You guys, you know, it's like really easy to talk about what you're going to spend your money on when you have no money. Does that make sense? Like when you're broke, it's really easy to talk about what you would do for God with your money. For example, when I was younger, we were helping with a church plant in Northern California. And at this church plant, we met two of the biggest Jesus freaks I've ever met in my life. Their names were Sam and Corey. Am I supposed to use their real names? All right. Um, so Sam and Corey, right, they, they would do this crazy stuff with their money and, and their time and, and their family. Like they would have homeless people come stay in their living room when they had kids. And, and they were just crazy. And, I, and they just did things that didn't fit in with our society. And I remember me and my wife were just drawn to them. There was something about them that we felt was so authentic. And we were in this Bible study with them. And we're reading about the early church in, in uh, the book of Acts and how they, they got all their wealth together. And, and, and they shared with everybody in need. And I remember Corey stands up in the middle of this Bible study. It's our entire church in the room. And he goes, you know what we should do? We should write down every dollar we have in the bank. And we should write down every cent we have in savings. And we should write down every vehicle and tool that we have. And we should share it with each other. You guys like the sounds of that? And, and Corey's like, I got this. Corey's like, I have $6,000 in the bank and a Ford Fiesta. I'll share it with anybody who needs it. And me and Shannon are like, heck yes, dude. This is what we've been waiting for. We have $4,500 in the bank and we have an old Chevy Trailblazer. You can have it. You can use it. And we were so excited. And I remember we looked up at the room and everybody else was just sitting there petrified. Like the younger people looked kind of offended and the older people in the room looked downright upset. And what I realized is the people who were older in the room had probably worked much harder to save up some sort of a nest egg that they didn't want me coming after. Like after my $4,500 and my Chevy Trailblazer were broken down, like after that was gone, I'd be coming for their 401k plan, right, if they wrote it down. But now I've got to be honest with you guys, at 36 years old, I would never want to tell anybody what I have in my bank. Ask me what I have in my bank. No, I'm not telling you that's super rude, right? Like, I'm not going to tell you how much I have in the bank, you guys. And, like, I'm not going to let you borrow my wife's new car. It's got heated leather seats and there's no dents in it. Don't even look at it, right? Like, that's who I am now. But I think the truth is I've worked really hard to acquire the money I've had. And I've, and I've been really diligent about acquiring the, the, the money that we have in the bank. And we do have a 401k and we have all these things in place. And that's not bad. But if I love those things... That would be where I would be off base. But I've made sacrifices. I've planned diligently for my treasure. But I want to come back to this idea that I realized as I was writing this sermon. You guys ready? Remember when I gave you an incorrect definition of consumable at the, at the very beginning of this message? And you guys agreed, Zach's probably wrong. 
I said a consumable was something that could easily be used up and then replaced. But I, I, I realized something, you guys, that we need to remember as a church. Every dollar that we have, every 401k plan, if you're in the military, every thrift savings plan, every car, every RV, every retirement home, every speedboat, everything that we own will be consumed by this world, you guys. Everything will be consumed by this world. We're not taking any of it with us into heaven. But I think the absurd part is we're storing up things as if they're going to last forever. And we're exchanging them for things that will last forever and ever. And here's the big idea. What are we storing up, church? Church, what are we storing up? What are we spending most of our time putting in the bank? And what are we saving for? Have we taken our eyes off of forever and are we blindly living for what can be consumed? I had this idea, you guys. We're not going to walk into heaven and have somebody remember us for the things that we've owned. Like, you guys, I can make you a promise you can never overdo your work here on earth for Christ. You're never going to get to heaven and say, man, I just did too much for the gospel. You're never going to say, I just wish I would have went to Hawaii one more time. When I was older, I wish I could have enjoyed retirement a little bit more. On the other side of heaven, we're going to see things as they should be seen. But you guys, I think I've done something in my life. Sometimes I think I've been living like heaven's never going to come. Sometimes, you guys, as a believer, I think I've been living like heaven's not at the end of the road and that I need to do everything to live for right now that this is going to be my best life. What are we storing up, church? I realized something... That's how the world should live. Like if you don't know Jesus in this room, and I, and I hope someday you don't know Jesus in this room, but if you don't know Jesus, buy the cars, buy the homes, go on vacation, go to Hawaii, go where you need to go, because this is the best life you're ever going to live. But if you know Jesus as your Savior, this is not the best life you're ever going to see, church. The best life you're ever going to see is on the other side of eternity. Heaven compared to a trip. Come on, you guys. Our best life is not now. Our best life is not now. So what are we storing up? And then I had this idea, you guys. Sometimes I think I've been afraid that if I invest too much in the kingdom of God, I won't have enough for later on. Like if I just give a little bit too much to the to, the, to what we're doing, at, you know, I, I just won't have enough for later. But there's this passage in the book of Philippians 6.19 that says, And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Jesus Christ. Every investment we make for Jesus, every dime we spend, every hour we spend working for God will be repaid. Your investment will come back tenfold. You're never going to outdo the Lord Jesus Christ, church. And we have a promise that every dime we give will be covered. You guys, I think we need to start living for the things that can never be consumed. What is the one thing that will never be consumed? Anything that is promised in Jesus Christ, church. Jesus is forever. Our eternity with Jesus is forever. You know, guys, I've been, I've been talking to some people who tell me that, like, they remind me of a parent of a teenager that um, they regret going through high school with their kids and, and being too busy at work, and they never got to spend time with their children. 
And sometimes as a pastor, like I put in a ton of time as a pastor and I miss the time I want to spend with my boys. But, you know, I kind of realized something. You know what I should be focusing on as a Christian father? The idea that I'm going to spend eternity in heaven with my children and that they're going to be there with me. And like, we're not going to run out of time together. Eternity is what we're waiting for, church. What are we storing up? Will you pray with me? Jesus, you are, you are the reward we are waiting for at the end of this life. God, I pray that we, we cast out the fear that we somehow have to live our best life now. I pray that we put our priorities straight. I stand here knowing that we will see you, Father, and that everything we do for you will not be done in vain. Every dime we spend, every sacrifice we made will be returned. God, I look forward to seeing you on the other side of this life. And I look forward to knowing that nothing I did for you will return without a blessing and without a reward and without great gain, God. And I pray that we stop living for the wrong things. I pray we stop storing up for the wrong things, God. And I pray that in all things, you be glorified. To your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Yes, all we have is yours. You're our firm foundation, God. Our solid rock.
is my story, this is my soul. Can I share my testimony? Cross, you paid the debt I 
What an awesome morning worshiping the Lord. Amen. All right. Well, um, you know, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, a lot of this probably doesn't even make a lot of sense. You know, why would people sacrifice in this life for something in the future? You know, maybe you're living your life the world's way. And I just got to say, you know, that's not going to work. When you live the life your world's way, you're going to be left with disappointment. And, um, and you're, it's just not going to go your way. You're going to have all kinds of problems in this world. Jesus promised it. You're going to have problems in this world. Um, but when you live the Lord's way and you follow what his word has to say, there's an eternal reward accompanied with that. Jesus has offered to save us from our sins from the things where we fall short from God's standard. Um, He's offered to forgive us of that if we just accept his offer. He paid the debt for our sins when he died on the cross because the Bible says the wages of sin is death. So if you want to live on your own, you can pay your own wages for sin, which is eternal death, or you can accept Jesus' sacrifice to pay for that price for you. It's like he's wiped your debt free when you accept him and come over to living life God's way. And it's radically different. It's not a small decision. If you decide to accept Jesus, it's like it's all-encompassing. It's all, it's all in. you got to be all in or all out. Um, but if you are ready, if God's pulling you, if something's, this is today's the day when you say, you know what, I'm going to surrender my life to Jesus Christ and I'm going to live this life his way, would you let us know? Letting someone know is probably one of the most important things you can do. So walk out of this room and go to the counter on the left-hand side of the lobby and let someone know you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Or if you have a question about doing that, ask them that question. And then when you get home, call your mom. And say, Mom, I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior. You know, Let some people know that's an important thing when you accept the Lord. So if you're with there, if that's where you're at, we want to be there with you. Okay, we're going to uh, give back to the Lord now. This is one of the ways we honor and worship Him. Um, we do it because the Bible asks us to. It's how all the ministries are supported here. And it's the one thing that's associated with the blessing. And I don't know about you, but I need a lifetime of blessing in my life. Um, so we're going to go ahead and give back. There's three ways to participate. You can write a check. There's an offering box in the lobby. You can give online at campcc.net. Or you can text them out. You want to donate to 84321. All right. Before we watch the, the video, just want to remind you that uh, this Tuesday is our worship night. I'd love to see you there. It's at 7 p.m. It's going to be an awesome time. So check out the video. Hey, Camp CC. I'm David Ertaba, your lead pastor here at Camp CC. I'm so glad that you're here with us. And if you're here for your first, second, or even third time as a guest, we have some gifts for you as a thank you for hanging out with us. We'd love to be able to put a face with a name. So if you take your connection card and go to the welcome counter in the lobby and present it to them, we can give you some gifts. And if you're watching online, you can go to camcc.net forward slash next steps and you can tell us about yourself as well. We also want to say if you're new to our church or new to church in general and you don't have a Bible, we'd love to give you one. Same thing, go to the welcome counter in the lobby, let them know that you're new and you'd like a Bible and we'd get you one. I'm so excited about this fall. It's a great season to invite someone to church with you, co-workers, neighbors, friends, family. Check us out and check us out online and maybe one day they'll be willing to sit next to you in church as well. Now let's check out what's happening at Camp CC. On August 9th, you want to write this down, we're doing another worship night at 7 p.m. These are powerful nights. They're very engaging. The worship, you can feel it. It's awesome. People from other churches are now coming to our church to go part, be part of these worship nights. Don't miss it. Write it down and be there and be ready to experience God on another level. 
August 9th, PJs and Popcorn Praise Party at 7 p.m. While you're worshiping at our worship night, your kids are invited to come in their PJs, Popcorn Praise Party, amazing time, birth through third grade. This is going to be an awesome night. So you want to be there, party with all you can eat, popcorn. Come on, how can you want to miss that? If you want more information on that, contact Elaine at camcc.net. Listen, August 19th, middle school all-nighter event starting at 7 p.m. You can register at the door. Make sure you think about who you can invite and bring along with you. We are so excited about this and our new middle school pastor, Jacob Solis. If you want more information, you can certainly contact him at jacob at camcc.net. Hey, September 4th, we're starting our growth group sign-up. So they're kicking off on September 18th in the week of Get connected, get to know others, grow in your faith. It's just an eight-week commitment on your life. It's where we go family deep together. Really consider this season whether or not God's calling you to be in a group and maybe approach a new group for the first time. If you'd like more info on this, you can contact Jim Moyer at camcc.net. Hey, listen, and on the last note, I'm super excited about this. Uh, we are going to be sending out a letter, and it's really a letter from me to everyone in our church. It should be going out the first couple weeks of August. It'll reference something called the Welcome Project Initiative. It's a letter from me uh, stating how excited we are for the future of our church, where we might be going, and who might be coming because of what we do in this season. And I'm not allowed to say that much about it. In fact, I'm not supposed to spill the beans. So just expect a letter coming from me about the future of our church, uh, on what can be done if God would give us favor. Be expecting that at your door in your mailbox soon. To stay in the loop on everything that's going on at CamCC, please consider following us on Instagram, liking us on Facebook, and you can even subscribe to our YouTube channel. For more information on any of these events, please go to camcc.net. What a message from Zach. I was really encouraged um, and reminded that Guys, even the breath in our lungs is borrowed from the Lord. So how much more are our finances and the things that we treasure on earth just borrowed from the Lord? Um, and how can we give that back to him? How can we honor him here the way we're going to honor him unto eternity? Um, remember that if it's your first, second, or third time here, go ahead out to the welcome counter and get your gift. We'd love to meet you, um, connect your face to your name. And if you're watching online, go to kmcc.net slash next steps. gives us a chance to connect with you and get to know you a little bit better. Um, remember to check out our video venue. Um, if it's a little bit loud in here during worship, we have that video venue also. Um, invite someone to join you here next week on Sunday at 9, 1045. Um, also, keep our middle schoolers in prayer. They're at Catalina right now, getting sunburned and learning about Jesus. So um, pray for them if you think of them this week. And we'll see you Tuesday at 7 p.m. for our popcorn and praise night and also the adult worship night. See you guys then.